Quickly to Wall. Wall yeah. measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, the dry spell is over. The Wizards have won. Finally. Anyway. This is Noah Getzel, your host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, riding you with local experts every day. And we are here today with Brian and Kramer of Wizards Extra. I'm also with Wizards Extra. I've been reporting for them four years. We're here every night at Capital One Arena, giving you the the goods. <laughs> uh, so tonight, uh, we are talking about the Wizards ending their three-game losing streak with a big win, uh, 116-106 over the Spurs, where everybody scored. Everybody ate, I guess you could say. <laughs> and uh, we're also going to talk about the bench coming up with a huge performance, 61 points, four players in double figures, and an incredible run in that second quarter, 16-1, to um, when it looked like the Spurs were kind of taking control with, I think it was like a 10 nothing, something like that, 10 nothing run at the end of the first quarter into the second. Uh, it wasn't looking good. And finally, we're going to talk about how the Wizards kind of dodged a bullet and got a little bit lucky um, that the star player for the Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge, after a strong first half, really was you know a non-factor after a knee bruise and didn't play at all in the second half. So, Bryna, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling really good. This was the best game I've seen from the Wizards in a while. I think, you know, especially Brooks was talking a little bit about it in his post-game press conference about how, you know, the players kind of felt a little, you know, embarrassed about the fact that they lost, not just because they lost to Denver and the Knicks over the weekend, but because, you know, it kind of spoiled the celebration of the 40th anniversary of the 1978 mm-hmm. championship. You know, they were a little prop embarrassed, and I think they really wanted to come out. I mean, it's all, you know, and especially against the Spurs, which, you know, even though they're not having their greatest season, you know, can turn it on any time. And Greg Popovich is, you know, one of the greatest coaches. So, like, they can turn it on any time. So they really wanted to come out tonight and prove themselves. And this was really a statement game, you know, and I hope this could be a shift in the momentum moving forward because the Wizards definitely need it. But, yeah. Really solid game tonight all around. I mean, the Wizards, this is only one game. We'll keep that in mind. The right. Wizards have been sloppy recently. It was totally like different. And more than sloppy. Yeah. It was different worlds coming into this because the Wizards had lost 5 of 7 and the Spurs have had won 6 of 7 until the, the Bucks kind of upset them on Sunday night. And yeah. what's crazy to me is just the lack of offensive firepower from the Spurs. Even though LaMarcus Aldridge didn't play at all in the second half, he led the Spurs in scoring with just 13 points. Yeah, uh, it's kind of insane. Yeah, Patty Mills had 11, Paul Gasol had 12, Rudy Gay had 10, and nobody else in Delver Fragers, even though they kind of, they did spread it out. Some guys had 8 and 9 points, but it's, yeah. I mean, the, the Spurs, you know, they don't have a superstar, and they're the team that can get by without that. They don't have a superstar, I should say, with... Well, Marcus injured, and Kawhi Leonard playing just nine games this season. Right. And the Wizards totally took advantage. Um, it, it 
it didn't really look like that for a little bit, but they had some key contributions off the bench. Uh, Mike Scott and Kelly Oubre combined for 15 points in the second quarter. Yeah. Markeith Morris didn't miss a shot. No starter shot more than 10 times. Can you believe that? Even more than nine times. Wow. And if I were to tell you that the Wizards would beat the Spurs by 10 points with Bradley Beal scoring just seven points, would, would you believe me before the game? Um, not if I hadn't seen it with my own two eyes, I would not have believed you. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um... Who from the bench kind of impressed you the most? We had four guys with double figures, and Jan Mahini also had eight, including a couple of ferocious dunks. Um, he had nine rebounds. And so leading the bench unit, uh, we had Meeks with 13, and then Sessions and Ubre both had 12, and uh, Mike Scott dropped in 11 as well. I think I mentioned it, but every single player scored. Um, it took a while for... Jason Smith and Tim Frazier to see any action. Uh, the Wizards kind of had to make sure the game was out of hand in the fourth quarter when they allowed 40 points. Um, I actually asked Scott Brooks after the game. I'm like, hey, was this the best altogether performance from your bench? And first of all, he's like, there's no such thing as a bench. We're all Wizards here. I don't separate starters versus Wizards. But he's like, yeah, this was a good performance aside from the fourth quarter where you know the defense just dissipated. Who, who like, do you think provided the spark? when the Wizards weren't looking too hot. Uh. Yeah, no, I definitely, I have to say the people, the two players that impressed me the most off the bench were Mike Scott and Jody Meeks. I think when you're talking about that run, Mike Scott got entered a lot earlier in both the first quarter and the third quarter than he usually does, just because everybody, I feel like, like Keith was in foul trouble early on, um, Sadoransky was, I mean, he wouldn't replace Sadoransky necessarily, but... Yeah, so Morris was in foul trouble, um, Sadoransky, Mahimi. So, like, Mike Scott saw a lot of action early on, and so he's had a little bit of an up and down recently. I mean, his last, his best game most recently was against New Orleans back a couple weeks ago. Um, and so he really came out, and, you know, based on the box score, I mean, he had, you know, 11 points, but his plus minus is 15, and that, you know, says a lot. Jody Meeks also had a really good game. I mean, he led the bench in scoring, um, and he, you know, he's a very streaky shooter, and so his last best game against came in a loss against Miami. So, and again, that was also a couple weeks ago. So it's been, you know, a little time, and I think for both of those players to come out and really help lead the bench and, you know, not let the bench evaporate that lead that the Wizards had started to build, I mean, they both had just really impressive games all around, and especially Mike Scott, but I'm also a really big Mike Scott fan if anyone – follows our Twitter and has listened to me talk about him for a while. Yeah, I thought things were going to turn around in the second half. That's probably just the pessimist in me speaking, but the Wizards <laughs> were, were up. They had a, a incredible second quarter where they outscored uh, the Spurs 38-21, mm-hmm. and so they were up um, 50... It was like 59-44, to 44, I believe, going into halftime. Yeah, something like and that. And I, I knew that lead wasn't safe, but it turns out <laughs> it, it was. was. Yeah, <laughs> and I was really at the halftime, and I almost asked you this, but we didn't cross pass so much at halftime. I Beal only had three points. He made that last three-pointer at the end of the second quarter, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you, be like, should I bet against you about how much Beal's going to make? And I mean... I would have lost because I probably would have said I'm never betting against Beal again to score more than 20 points. <laughs> were you and I wrong would have... once or twice? What? Okay. Were you wrong I've twice? I've been wrong like twice, maybe even okay. three times. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but Beal ended up only having seven, which, you know, whatever. I also think in going back to Mike Scott, when we were talking about the bench, Mike Scott, I don't think I've ever seen him wear a headband. Maybe this is like his headband game and he, he needs had to it. wear one. He had it um, on, uh, it wasn't the 40th anniversary, but it was uh 
the retirement party, or not retirement, sorry, the uh, rafters induction into the Wizards rafter jersey. Okay, it was a retirement party. It no, was, you um, didn't. Morris had one. Morris I and Beal, Beal had oh, one. Oh, my not bad. Not Mike okay. Scott. So this is, okay. This is Mike Scott. And usually, like, when Beal, Beal, I mean, Beal's lasted on Friday night against the Nuggets. Beal's lasted, like, 10 minutes. Like, it didn't last that long. And Morris's, I don't think, lasted that long either. But Mike Scott kept his own the whole game, and, you know... Maybe that's the key. Maybe Mike Scott needs to wear a headband every single game. So, so do you yeah. think that Sessions is starting to look like a reliable backup point guard at this stage? I think, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. I think he's developed a really good chemistry with the bench. Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely helped. And I think since he's come in and started playing like steady minutes, Jan Mahimi's even looked really well. And I think they've developed a nice chemistry. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I don't think he's going to have every, you know, he's not going to get to, you know, 12 points every night. But he's definitely, you know, he's a point guard that can get to the line. And if he, he continues to develop that chemistry with Jan Mahimi, I think that's going to really help the bench moving forward into the playoffs. I mean, that's going to be mm-hmm. key, especially when the rotation shortens. We know, well, Sessions might not get that much play when Wall comes back. But yeah, it's been nice to have it, like, steady a little bit and have it, Work so if we do, if Sadoransky gets in foul trouble or something like that, they can insert sessions and know that he's going to have good chemistry with the bench and especially Mahimi. Right. It it does look like uh, Tim Frazier is a bit of the odd man out of the rotation yeah. at this point. And Sessions, just to go over his line, he was tied for the most assists for the Wizards. Both uh, Beal and Sessions had six. Uh, sessions scored twelve points. He most of it at the free throw, or not most of it, but he hit um four three free throws, got there six times. And hit a couple of threes, which I haven't seen too much of no. his three-point shooting since his impressive. last stint with the Wizards. So, so that's looking good. Overall, he was a uh, three for six, two for three from downtown. We are going to take a quick break now, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about some what-if scenarios of what if, let's say, Marcus Aldridge got to play the whole game. How would that have changed the game? And then we're gonna end uh, this podcast with one more what-if segment, which will be what if. John Wall actually capitalized on his Wolf season and didn't have any injuries or ailments throughout the year. How many wins would the Wizards be up to now, and how different would this team look, and what would have changed in terms of, I don't know, bench players or Bradley Beal maybe not developing quite as much. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Hey, welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. I am Noah Getzel, and I'm here with Brian Kramer after the Wizards uh, resounding victory over the San Antonio Spurs, which kind of there's a silver lining involved because even though the Wizards won big, the second half was a totally different story for the Spurs. They were missing their all-star, their reigning player of the week, LaMarcus Aldridge, who torched everybody in sight, especially, well, including the Wizards. He had uh, 27 points and 9 rebounds the last, and 2 blocks, or maybe 3 blocks, 2 blocks the last <laughs> time the, the Wizards played uh, last Wednesday in in the the tough loss to the Spurs, ninety eight to ninety, and then after that game he had forty five points against Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz in an overtime thriller, and he even dropped uh, more than thirty against the Bucks in that loss on Sunday as well. How much of a difference maker would you say Lamarcus is for the Spurs? Is there anyone who can even come close to mimicking what he does? No, not no. Especially, I mean. They, you know, people on Twitter joke that, you know, the Spurs are literally like the AARP squad. I mean, they're so old. Um, I mean, with Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Pau Gasol. Right. Um, Patty Mills is starting to get up there. Rudy Gay is over 32. Right, Rudy Gay. Yeah, I mean, they're literally an AARP squad. Um, but, yeah, no. 
Definitely not. And I think that's part of, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why, why the Wizards were able to sustain the lead. I mean, you said even after, you I mean, you just said that after halftime you were like, well, that lead was nice, but like, I don't know if I'm, they're going to keep it up because, because A, so Wizards, but B, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is a really good player and he had 13 points in the first half and who knows what would have happened in the second half. I mean, you can continue to guess what ifs, but you never really mm-hmm. know. But I also think it would have been interesting to see I mean, Gortat also, I don't remember how many points he had at the end of the first half, but he definitely had only, like, one, maybe two or three. Like, not that many. And he ended the night with 12. Yeah, he had 11 in the second half. Right. Yeah, so he had one in the first half, 11 in the second half. So, I mean, that's a big difference. And that's a little Marcus Aldridge, obviously, is matched right. up with Gortat. So that's a big reason why that was able to happen the way it was. And so... He pulled down five rebounds. Five of eight rebounds in the second half. Right. And yeah, then, so that allowed Gortat to flourish a little bit. Um, the Marcus Aldridge's absence was a big reason why the Wizards were able to sustain it. But, I mean, it definitely would have changed the game if he had stayed in. Is it reason for you know, DC family and the Wizards world to be a little bit less hyped up about this game? Or, no. I mean, it's a win is a win? No. Yeah, a win, I mean, a win is a win, especially, you know, going into the last, like, eight games or however many, I think we have eight games left. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But, I mean, I also think, I mean, the energy was much improved. The, or, there was a sense of urgency there. The bench looked great. The ball was moving. I mean, defense was really good. I mean, there was... A lot of other reasons to say this was just a good, solid statement win. Yeah. Despite the fact that Lamar Aldridge should not play in the second half. So speaking of Gortat, uh, one of his tweets got a lot of notoriety. And then, uh, surprisingly, I think it was a bit of a surprise in Scott Brooks's post-game press conference. So the Wizards had, as I mentioned, everybody scored. They got 33 assists. The bench had 61 points. It was, you know, everybody was contributing. And some reporter was asking, like, how how important is it for, you know, everyone to be involved and all you guys to be, you know, syncing up and playing with good chemistry, getting all these assists as a team. <laughs> and Scott Brooks is like, yeah, I'm going to go tweet for my burner account. Good team win. <laughs> Taking an obvious jab at Marching Gortat. Did, did you think this comment might rub uh, Gortat the wrong way at all, or is it kind of just shedding light on the fact that this was totally overblown and, like, there really is no beef between Wall and Gortat if the coach can joke about that sort of situation? No, I didn't, I mean, I didn't even take it as a jab at Gortat. I took it as just a jab. I mean, burner accounts have kind of been a topic of the whole entire NBA all season. I mean, in my first reaction, when I think burner account, I think about Kevin Durant. Like, that's just what comes to my mind first when I think about burner's accounts. So, no, I don't think it was a jab at Gortat. I mean, if you follow anybody on Twitter who is like covers this team on a regular basis, you know that Brooks says a lot of funny things and makes a lot of jokes. When the, whether the team's losing, whether the team's winning, he just he jokes around, and that's kind of what makes it really fun to cover. He knows how to joke, and he knows that like yes, obviously there are serious moments, but there can also be funny moments, especially when we have to go through this routine every game of pregame press conferences and postgame press conferences. Right. So, it's I mean, a lot to sit through right, as a, it's coach. a lot, Right, exactly. And so I think, you know, he was just having a little bit of fun. Like I said, I didn't even think about Gortat when that first came to my mind. I thought about Kevin Durant, and I just thought about the entire NBA as a whole. But um, that was a really funny moment, a great line from Brooks. So a bit of like a chippy turn at the end of the game. Did you feel like it was just the Spurs frustrated when there ended up being like a lot of jawing with the officials and Kelly Oubre first picked up a technical foul, which, you know, that happens because he's Kelly Oubre and, you know, everything gets super dramatic when he's on the basketball court. But then after that, Jan Mahimni, he was battling for a loose ball, 
kind of knocked down a, a Spurs player. I didn't see who it was right next to the Wizards bench. And then it looked like he kind of had his hands on his thighs, leaning over, possibly to be like, hey, are you all right? Or maybe to talk some junk. But that earned him another technical foul. Did you hear any explanations, maybe just reading tweets about why these players earn technicals with the officials? Um, no, I mean, and especially nothing that's not just like, you know, people being overblown and being like, oh, well, the refs, of course, hate the Wizards and, you know, we never get a call and blah, blah, blah. No, nothing real. I, I don't know what it was. I think, I think the Wizards just started, like, not playing as good defense. And I think then obviously the Spurs started, not that they were ever going to close the gap. The gap was too big at that point. But, you know, the Spurs started playing a little bit better and obviously scoring a lot of points. And I think the Wizards just got a little bit frustrated. And so then when a call doesn't go their way, like you said, Kelly Oubre always is talking to somebody. And Yamahimi, I don't know where that one came from. I don't mm-hmm. know what was happening, what was said, like you said. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it was any – I don't think there's a real explanation or a real reason behind it except for two off night. Two other off fourth quarter. things that are probably no concern whatsoever, but I just have to ask. So 17 turnovers for the Wizards, including 11 in the second half. Of course, they were up 14 heading into that second half. Uh, do you feel like that might have been a bit excessive? Did they have to clean it up, or did it still look like a pretty well-controlled game in terms of the way that they were moving the ball? Um, and then, aside from just turnovers, we do have to bring up that Bradley Beal you know, hit just one shot in the first half. He finished three of eight, um, which isn't the worst shooting percentage, but just seven points. I mean, after a big victory like this, 10-point win over the Spurs, you know, you, you kind of brushed all this stuff under the rug and Beal always bounces back. But did you think the turnovers or lack of offensive production from Beal made, you know, is, is something to take note of at all? Um, I mean, the turno- I think both of them are just a little bit. I think the turnovers... Yes, they, for most part, the game was very well controlled. I mean, especially the second and third quarters. But it was a problem in the first quarter. They had four, maybe even five. I definitely, I think it was four, though. Four turnovers, and then obviously that fourth quarter was kind of a disaster. Yeah, six in the fourth. Yeah, six in the fourth. Um, And then, so yeah, I, and it's something that's just been a problem for the last couple of games. So if they had... A couple of games. Well, <laughs> for a while, but especially the last couple of games. Um. But yeah, so I think if they had stayed, if the fourth quarter hadn't happened, I think you could have said, oh, the turnovers aren't a problem, but then they let the fourth quarter happen, so that's a problem in and of itself. And I think going back to Bradley Beal, I'm not too concerned about his shooting, but he has had off nights for the past three games in a row. He didn't have really, he didn't really have a good shooting game either against Denver or against New York. So I think if it continues, then especially heading into the playoffs, that's a little bit of concern. But, I mean, as of right now, I'm not, like, 100% concerned yet. I may be, like, mm-hmm. 20%. And I'm sure the Spurs were keying in on him a bit more after he went 9 of 13 for 21 points uh, last week. and it seems, Probably. Yeah. So we are going to take one more quick break. There's one quick final topic of the discussion we're, we're going to talk about in terms of just where would the Wizards be if John Wall didn't miss, you know, 30-plus games. What's it been? Probably, like, 40 or 50, I would say. I've got to double check. I'll double check um, right now. But yeah, if, if Wall had actually been healthy all year and didn't have the two knee procedures, we're going to do some highly intense quantitative analysis and prediction models and algorithms through our economic backgrounds to predict where the Wizards would be if Wall was healthy all year round. Stay tuned in. Locked on Wizards coming right back. 
Hey guys, welcome back to Locked on Wizards. Uh, I'm Noah Getzel. I'm here with Brian and Kramer following a Wizards victory to snap the three-game losing streak. Um, and the Wizards have been pretty on and off all season long. Uh, it's been very unpredictable. The good news is they haven't really truly slumped. Uh, three games in a row is the most that the Wizards have lost all year. So now we're going to talk about a what-if uh, hypothetical. So John Wall got himself into the best shape of his life this offseason. It was finally, he, he said himself, the first offseason where he wasn't, you know, rehabbing, coming off of some sort of injury. He just realized after the Celtics series, he, he, he wasn't out of shape for sure, but he could have been in possible. better shape to carry him through those fourth quarters, especially play, playoff time with a coach who likes playing him 40 minutes over and over and over again. So just wondering, since uh, Wall has missed half the game so far this season, he's played 37, missed 37, and the games he's played, he hasn't really been too healthy for a lot of them. What do you think might be different in terms of the shakeup of the Eastern Conference standings or just where the Wizards would be sitting at this point, uh, you know, if Wall had played, let's say, how many games have there been? There's been 74 games, so mm -hmm. let's say he played 65 of those, 65, 60, somewhere in the 60 to 70 range, basically playing every game. Yeah, so if he was fully healthy... What would be different about the Wizards season? Who would not have developed? What what would change? I mean, that's so hard to say. I think, you know, I mean, I think you could maybe argue that the Wizards would be higher than a six seed right now, but I still don't think they'd be top two, maybe top three, um, but I don't, they wouldn't be top they two. They wouldn't have 50 wins right now? No, they would okay. not. Um, I think... In terms of though, maybe what wouldn't have happened a little bit, I think maybe you could argue that Bradley Beal wouldn't have become as good of a passer as he's become since John Wall's out. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that, you know, he's kind of, I don't know what his average is over the games that John Wall's been out, but I mean, tonight he had, assists. right, he had tonight, he had six assists. He's had even more than that before. I mean, he definitely hit his career high in assists this season. I don't know what it is, but he definitely hit it. Um, so yeah, I just think that's something that has been, when the Wizards were playing well, that was something that was really effective is Bradley Beal's just ability to pass and the fact that John Wall's going to come back and Bradley Beal's going to be such a much improved passer. Mm -hmm. That's something that's, I think, going to really benefit the Wizards, especially that starting unit when the fact that they can both find guys, you know, whether it's Porter or Morris or Gortat, um, that's going to be something that's been really effective. But it's so hard otherwise yeah. to say just with injuries, I mean, injuries can happen to anybody. So you can't say just because John Wall was healthy that, like, you know, Kyrie Irving still wouldn't have gone down or had this sure. procedure or anything like that. So it's and just so hard to say. Would you say at all that maybe some of those, like, awful losses the Wizards had, like losing by so many points to the Nets and Jazz so many times? The Jazz are a good team. But losing to teams like Atlanta Hawks and Dallas. Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. I didn't, sorry, they beat the Grizzlies. Uh, Dallas is who I meant to say. Do you think... Having John Wall, who kind of, you know, like flips back and forth between having his on and off switch on, do you think some of these losses wouldn't have happened if he was full go? Because he was, you know, playing for a lot of these games. Do you feel like the Wizards are still just the Wizards and these losses to bad teams will happen inevitably? Or would it be a different environment if, you know, if he, he was 100%? I mean, I... I think we would like to think that these bad losses wouldn't have happened. But, I mean, I think the Wizards just have a history of – they're always going to have a couple bad losses to some teams they really should have beat. No doubt. Um, but I think 
you know, I think that would have maybe, maybe I think they would have maybe had a more steady season and maybe not so much. Like I'm literally looking at the basketball reference right now, the yeah. Wizards page on game results. It look, I mean, look how up and down that is. I mean, you guys can't see, but it's literally like a heart monitor. It literally is like up and down, up and down, up and down. So maybe this would be a little bit more consistent if John Wall had played, all, like you said, 65 of 74 games. Right. But I still think there's going to be, there's always, with the Wizards, there's always going to be those bad losses to bad teams. I don't know why, but it's mm-hmm. always going to be there. And uh, some things to note, like while John Wall was playing, his numbers look fine. Of course, he was an all-star. 19.4 points a game, 9.3 assists. Um, but that's, and, I mean, that's all down compared to last season. Yeah, they look good. yeah, I mean, yeah. They look that's good, a good point. But they're all down. I mean, John Wall last season, and probably for the last couple of seasons that he's been an all-star, he's been averaging double-digit assists. Mm-hmm. And closer to five rebounds, too. It just shows he doesn't necessarily want to be in the paint quite as much. We really saw that he wouldn't move as much without the ball. He settled for a lot of threes. He has improved as a shooter, but definitely... Shooting more threes just because he either didn't have the energy or the desire to go into the teeth of defense given his gimpy knee situation. Um, Two other things that definitely, two or three, that would have definitely changed if Wall was playing and fully healthy. We probably would have seen Tomas Sadoransky have a much diminished role, not gain as much yes, confidence. that's, yeah, um, very true. Yeah, he's he's really come into his own and proved he can be flourish a strong starter um in the time being uh he's improved a lot in terms of shooting and uh more than anything just his his confidence and composure and along with his defense his defense looks a lot better too kelly Oubre has kind of come into his own because the wizards don't have that many people who can just go out there and get a bucket um with you know with john wall being a creator and a guy who can get into the paint i think this kind of opened the door for for Uber to step in and be like, I, I want to be that guy who can, you know, drive on someone, who can pull up for three, who can just create his own shot more so when there are fewer playmakers on the court. Um, to a lesser extent, maybe Otto a little bit. Otto's never really going to change his style of play in terms of just being the guy who hustles and gets those offensive rebounds and runs in transition and will create he those points off turnovers. Yeah. But I'd say, yeah, the biggest, who knows what would have happened if, if Wall was healthy the full time, we still would have possibly seen Tomas and Kelly flourish, but I think they, they had a greater window and opportunity to do so because of the injury. So Yeah, that's a really good point about Saturansky. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, we could even, for all we know, if John Wall was still healthy, we could still be seeing Frazier start, oh, man. you know, or Frazier be the backup role, which, again, Frazier had some better moments, and who knows whether he should have, be, should have been getting some minutes over sessions, but, yeah, that Saturansky is obviously the better second option so we got three more games this week against lottery bound opponents um first against the detroit pistons who we have not played since they traded for blake griffin uh yes that is the case indeed (laughs) (laughs) and then uh the charlotte hornets at home on saturday a lot of people there's been some rumors that that'll be wall's first game back uh there's you know it's possible he'll play thursday against the pistons and the wizards have not beaten the hornets yet they're 0 and 3 this year Really? Strangely, yeah. The Hornets so are weird. scoring a ridiculous amount of points. They had like 77 in the first half, one of those games. Uh, it's It's been strange, but... <laughs> I knew they had some good games against the Wizards. I did not realize that we have not won a single game against them nope. this season. Nope, been swept so far. And then the Wizards Yikes. faced the Bulls on uh, Sunday in Chicago, uh, second half of a back-to-back. Where do you think the Wizards will finish this week? 
I mean, they need to go, what, there's three games this week? Yeah. 3-0 and is what they need to well, do. Well, technically there's five games this week. They're one and one so far. Uh, well, I mean, like, for the rest of the week. They need okay. to go 3-0. Three three. and oh. <laughs> All right. I think they, I mean, if they go 2-1, and one, that's fine, but, like, they cannot go 1-2. and two. Right. Just because of standings and what seeding means at this point. And we were having this conversation earlier about, is it so bad that the Wizards fall if they fall at a seven seed? I mean, yes. it's not, but... It's not, but it is for momentum, and we were talking about how, you know, the Wizards really are, are a team that does well when they have good momentum going and confidence, mm-hmm. so they need to start stacking up some wins going into these last eight games. So it's not terrible if they go 2-1, and one, but they cannot go 1-2. and two. That, yeah. They can't afford to go 1-2. and two. And you can never count out an incredible coach at the same time, so right. even if the Wizards are at the bottom... Uh, for some reason, I was thinking like the Wizards would match up against the Heat. That's not going to happen. I just checked the score of the Heat game. The Heat beat Cleveland. I don't know why. There's no chance that th- we don't have a play-in system yet for the NBA. I know there was some talk of like in the future some sort of play-in for those six, seven, and eight seeds. But oh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Brad Stevens is an incredible coach. It's basically like having another player on the court with his after timeout plays and just his ability to make do with what he's got. Um, Almost to the level, I would say, of Greg Pop- Popovich. Um, he's, you know, in the running for for Coach of the Year, year after year, and I would not want to face his his intellect in the playoffs. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. Uh, we are going to be back on Wednesday night. Um, possibly two guests, probably yeah. Garrett Schaefer from Wizards Extra, possibly... Uh, Brendan Smith, I'll, I'll leave you guys guessing to see who joins, and then uh, we'll have uh, a post-game Arthur Renault on Thursday after the Pistons game, so a lot of good stuff coming from Locked On Wizards the rest of the week, definitely stay tuned. Quality win for the Wizards over a shorthanded Spurs squad tonight, um, that's all we got for Locked On Wizards, stay tuned the rest of the week. Walk it like I talk it. Yeah. Take my shoes and walk a mile, something that you can't do. Hey. Big talks of the town, big boy gang moves. Gang moves. I like to walk around with my chain loose. Chain, chain. She just bought a new ass, but got the same booze. Same booze. Whipping up dope scientists. Whip it up, whip it up, cook it up, cook it up. That's my sauce where you find it. That's my sauce when you look it up, look it up, find it. Adding up checks, no minus. Add it up, add it up, add it up, add it up. Yeah. Get your respect in diamonds. Ice, ice, ice. I bought a plane, Jane, roll it, these niggas bought they fame Woo. I think my back got scoliosis cause I swerved the lane Screw. Heard you signed your life for that brand new chain I heard Think it came with strikes, but you ain't straight with the game Gang, gang Walk it like I talk it Walk it Walk it like I talk it Walk yeah. it, walk it like I talk it